following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K-State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. A busy day for the offseason around K-State Athletics to talk about coming up as we'll be joined by Derek Young of K-State Online in a little bit. He's David G. He's the friendly neighborhood web slinger. <laughs> I forgot I was wearing that shirt today. <laughs> yes. it was literally, it, it's all I had clean left in the closet. I hardly actually wear this one. Hey, not you don't need to defend guy. yourself. It's a great shirt. Well, I'm Thanks, not a big Steve. superhero guy, so. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, really. Ma- more manga. Yeah. Hmm. I don't even know what that word means. I Manga, it's it's <laughs> Japanese literature. God. I don't I, even know what it is. I, I'm Troy Coverdale. Yeah, that's so. TC. Um, TC, GG, and oh, I guess mine would be BS. BS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that backfired quickly. Oh, boy. <laughs> way quick. <laughs> Mitch is on his way to the Big Easy to keep it on that. So he's uh, out for the next couple of days. Royals will take over this slot tomorrow, but uh, Dave G and I with you to get you through the uh, afternoon as we uh, talk things over related to what's going on athletically and really should have known last week that right out of the box, any discussion of Arrowhead Stadium moving across the state line was going to uh, cause some issues. Right. The state of Missouri is not going to go quietly into the night. Oh, and they're not going to go quietly at any point of no, it. No, no. Um, PlayMissouri.com, Matthew Credle with the uh, headline today, Missouri, Kansas, enter sports betting turf war Oh boy! over Kansas City Chiefs. So what this stems from is the discussion is we had it with Mitch even. Uh, discussing the possibility of where should Arrowhead wind up in the future, or the new version of Arrowhead, or whatever you want to say. Let's keep in mind, the lease is still another nine years. Right. This is a ways. So it's it's a ways out. But the Chiefs president made some comments that caught everybody's attention. During the NFL annual meeting, he said, among other options, the team is considering stadium proposals to move across the border onto the Kansas side. Missouri lawmakers today at a Senate Appropriations Committee hearing discussed not allowing teams that leave the state to maintain rights to what is referred to as a Missouri online sports betting skin, essentially the license. In other words, the Chiefs would not be allowed a license in the state of Missouri Mm -hmm. to allow online gambling on their games. Yep, and that's, uh, I think it's a smart move, and I think it's it's a shrewd move, but that's the only thing that gets... NFL owners' attention is losing money. That's it. Mm-hmm. The fan thing doesn't – they don't care, really. They they know that people are going to go to the game. So to talk about history and tradition, they don't care about that stuff, really, in the long run. They care about money. And, oh, boy. So the, the bills are being pushed 
by the teams and casinos in Missouri, and it makes perfect sense. We're at that point where, again, we're continuing to see the proliferation of sports betting opportunities, yet Vegas continues to outpace everybody, which, which is amazing in and of itself. The uh, the vice president of civic affairs, Ann Sharf, had the misfortune of having to address the comments today in front of the Senate Appropriations Committee in Jefferson City. Our first step is to consider what's possible at Arrowhead. It's very special to the Hunt family. It's very special to the community. We know the community has done a lot to support it up until now. It's 50 years old, so we have to do our homework. Nothing that came up this past week was new. She got cut off. <laughs> oh, wow, really? <laughs> she got cut off by the state representative, or sorry, state senator, who represents the district in which Arrowhead sits. Ah, Senator Barbara Ann Washington. It's new to us because the old man, bless his soul, Mr. Hunt, would have never said that he would leave us. So we just want to put that on record, that we love the Chiefs and we want the Chiefs to be committed to us. Or possibly also give us $790 million, which we'd, we would rather have the team. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, I don't think the 70, $790 million is happening. I, I don't think that. Ironically, as I'm going through headlines in preparing for this afternoon, then I come across this that in a bid to encourage the Washington commanders, for whatever reason, uh, to stay in Maryland, the House there approved a measure with a $400 million plan to develop the area around FedEx Field. Does not include any new money for a stadium. It's strictly for development of the area around FedEx Field. And part of it would be from the state lottery. Folks, we're... The, the the changes just keep coming. No doubt. And everybody continues to angle and angle and angle, and it is one of the most interesting things to watch knowing full well that publicly financed stadiums, you would think, would be a dying breed. They're not. No. The public continues to finance for guys that are making billions. And the old, you know, the argument that it creates jobs, well, it certainly does, but... Um, the impact that that has on the economy is not. No, is, it's is, not nearly what what it's been cracked it's up to be over the years. Supposed to be, it right. is not even close. There is study after study of people that have said, "Folks, that's a lie." <laughs> not a lie, an exaggeration. And these guys are billionaires. Mm-hmm. You know, the, these guys have the means to do this all by themselves, or like a school, they should raise private funds. If you want to, if you're a Chiefs fan and you want to throw in some money for a new stadium, if that makes you feel good, that's what you should do. This is honestly one of the great things about how K-State has handled its business in developing facilities. Every single one of those facilities is private donation or bonded. None of it's coming from the Board of Regents. Right. I.e. taxpayers. Right. None of it's coming through the legislature. None of it. That is all being handled by the fan base, the boosters, big donors. Big. Big. Big, big donors. Mm-hmm. Um, and impressive. 
honestly, this is, I think, where KU gets into their problem with trying to figure out what they're up to with the football stadium. When you have a program that is as more abundant as Kansas football, it's tough to get the donations. All right. And more people want to be associated with basketball. Absolutely. And therein lies the problem. That's where K-State has been blessed is that donors have gotten involved in areas where it's not just a football-only thing or a basketball-only thing. No, they have picked up the other sports as well, as evidenced by the Ward family doing the volleyball arena. It's still cool to have your name on stuff. (laughs) You know, I think people are starting (laughs) to figure that one out, that it's like, yeah, it's the volleyball facility. It's cool to have your name on that stuff. Like, that's neat. It doesn't have to be about the one sport. It could be everybody. And that just raises the profile of the entire university if everything looks cool. One of the things I've laughed about, actually, for a good bit is that Toynton Family Stadium Mm. sits here. Uh, Bob and Betty lived in Greeley. Bob lives in Greeley. Wow. Uh, There is a Bob Toynton Way in Greeley, (laughs) or Toynton Way. It's part of downtown, as he owns a good portion of downtown. Uh, Donors to Northern Colorado Athletics, as well as K-State, but nowhere near the money going to Northern Colorado as is going to K-State. But I always chuckled at that, that the baseball field at Northern Colorado is not Toynton Family Stadium. No, (laughs) Toynton Family Stadium sits here. Right here. (laughs) Which, being an alum will do that. It just, I I find it a little humorous. It is. That is, for sure. The Chiefs need to find their Toynton. (laughs) No, that ain't happening. (laughs) That ain't happening. I've said it. it, But it does pose for an interesting fight. Absolutely. When, When you are talking about a... A facility that could cross the state line. Missouri will not go quietly. We understand that. Especially since they don't have a football team on the other side of the state. Right. You don't have the Rams sitting there anymore that could pick up some of that slack. Mm. I think, uh, for one thing... Like you said, it's nine years. So yes. that puts them in a position to where the Chiefs have to do research. Mm-hmm. Potentially, how much are we going to lose? Secondly, I do think before it's all said and done, I do believe there's going to be another round of expansion in the NFL. I really think so. And I think that St. Louis could say, hey, you gave one back to Cleveland. Why can't we get one as well? It really is surprising, honestly, that they didn't operate that lawsuit much farther than what they did. Yeah. Because they actually had the league dead to rights on some things and could have really forced the issue, but instead gave that up. Uh, I really was surprised, but decided that they just didn't have the, the, the desire for a protracted legal fight, I guess, uh, as, as their reasoning behind it. But they were in a great position, Mm -hmm. given all of the behind the scenes that they found out about through the NFL. Uh, It's yeah. By the way, just just from a legal standpoint, you ever get a case to discovery? Oh my! Yeah, it really things you will learn. The floodgates open, and that's where it's like people should educate themselves that they don't know the Stan Crunky Rams St. Louis thing is. 
wild. It is a, it is a wild situation, and the city of St. Louis should feel – I mean, they do, but they feel – I hate that guy. By the way, just to, to note what is being discussed by Missouri, 8% tax rate on your gambling dollars. No longer is it your local mafioso <laughs> or your local friendly book bookie. No, it's the state government is now your bookie. Speaking of which, I did. I did. If Mitch is listening, I did put the five dollars on your desk finally for the <laughs> bracket. Yes, <laughs> there you go. Have fun. Uh, oh, hey, uh, Big Steve. While we're on that note for a moment. Congratulations on not finishing last in the uh, bracket challenge. Part of the reason, by the way, of congratulating Big Steve for not finishing last, did you see who did finish last? I did. It's, uh, you know, it's one of those things like we probably should have tweeted out a picture or something. You know, <laughs> uh, the fort went down in flames, man. <laughs> Big Steve's bracket beat Mitch the forts. Oof. And I mean, Mitch will I tell wasn't you. even actually playing either. Yeah, you were. No, I wasn't. Yes, Big Steve. Mitch, he he has been honest the whole time. He's like, my bracket sucks. It's it wouldn't bad. join the club. Yeah. And he it, he really stunk. He really – I go, oh, you're just being, you know, modest or whatever. And I looked like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Don't you know anything? Uh, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how Mike Tomat won. He had – I thought he picked KU. Probably. Yeah, and uh, he had three out of the four – Final four teams. Time travel. There you go. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Mike time traveling. Um, oh, that would be interesting in and of nah. itself. You're going to have a big DeLorean. Yeah, but out of any of us here, it would make the most sense for him to be the time <laughs> travel. <laughs> point. All right. Uh, okay. On that note. Busy day for K-State Athletics, as we noted. Uh, football had a spring practice presser today. Defense talking about things as uh, we'll get some thoughts from Derek Young of K-State Online about uh, Joe Klanderman's uh, comments today. Also, men's basketball, Jareem Dowling talked with the media this morning. We'll get some thoughts from Derek on that as well as where the basketball recruiting slate is right now. Speaking of assistant coach Dowling, we'll have his comments to the media coming up in the second hour as the game rolls forward here on News Radio KMAN. The game continues on News Radio KMAN. Troy Coverdale, Dave G. Big Steve across the bulletproof glass from us. <laughs> Derek Young of K State Online to join us hopefully shortly. D.Y. was headed back to Kansas City, I know, after the K-State football presser. So I wondered how traffic would treat him. and That's probably what it is. Yeah. So running a little behind. Such is, well, life when you're having to scuttle between here in Kansas City and... Oh, man. <laughs> I'm not sure. Especially what... at this time of day. Ooh. Right. Mm. Right. This yeah. is like peak traffic in Manhattan right now, at least well, till like 630. And, and it wound up being a loaded day, as we talked about. Jareem Dowling uh, this morning was a late uh, Zoom interview time that got set up this morning by Tom Gilbert out at K-State Athletics. And then you had the football presser that was scheduled already for midday today, one o'clock today. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a it's been a day for Dy already, just without even having to drive back 
to Kansas City. Uh, Joe Klanderman led the uh, press conference, of course, today. Uh, first opportunity to get some thoughts from him regarding the defense going forward. And one of the things that intrigues me in this defense, of course, we know it's going to be an improved look with that 3-4 that they utilized last year, had success with it, but are going to be that much more experienced with it this year. One of the guys that could be impactful is still coming back from injury, and that's Khalid Duke. He continues to fight back, doing individual work, according to Klanderman. Nothing in a team setting just yet. Uh, However, (laughs) this is perfect. Uh, Oh, he's working. He's working his tail off. (laughs) So, you know, that, that tells you the desire that Khalid has to get back on the field after not being able to be a part of that mix last year. And I think that there's some things there that he likes about that defense that he sees even from from watching uh, King Felix through oh, the course of last man. year. I mean, wh- how impactful will that be to get him back in the lineup across from Felix and just say, hey, go ahead and just wreak havoc on people. Just beat him up up front. I can't wait. I think that I'm so excited to see this defense continue to grow and gel together, bringing back the other 22 as well. It's such a big deal. Daniel Green is going to have such an impact on the field. As long as he doesn't get kicked out of half the games. (laughs) Oh, my God. I thought this is a record. Right? This has got to be a record. (sighs) College football's targeting rule, unfortunately, is going nowhere. Man. Right now. And it's like, dude, that's fine. Just let's take a look at it or something. Like, let's get honest about it. I mean, I don't know. There were a couple words like, all right, Daniel. But then there were a couple words, come on, referees, let's go. I mean. Derek Young of K-State Online on the line with us. How was that traffic today, Derek? Uh. Not too bad, actually. Oh. Uh, so I was just booking it back from Manhattan after the press conference because uh, we're driving to Indianapolis tomorrow to cover like a basketball recruiting event. So uh, a lot of travel coming up. Oh, that definitely uh, gives you a lot on your plate here for the next few days. We were just discussing Joe Klanderman's uh, presser today, the football side of it, uh, talking about really where this defense is developing right now. And and uh, Dave G. brought up the fact that Daniel Green, uh, a year under his belt, how much better of a player he could be. And I know that Coach Klanderman uh, is liking what he's seeing as well. Yeah, he spoke about him today as if, he was like the best player on the team. And I think that's what you, you want to hear. Um, and, and then we kind of heard the same thing when he, when he touched on Felix and BK Uzama, when we heard some other assistants talk about Eli Huggins, we certainly know what they're going to get from Julius Brent and, and Echo Boyd Doe. There, there's, and you know, a few other guys that, you know, their names are starting to pop up. Like they're going to make a dent on the roster, such as a Will Honus. So, uh, Daniel Green, probably one of the two, three, maybe a top five best player on this football team, not just on the defensive side of the ball for the whole team, but there is plenty of firepower or at least potential on the defensive side of the ball to definitely have people very excited about what we may see in the fall. When Klannerman sat down and started the discussion today, what was the first thing that he brought forth uh, for, for what he's seeing out of practices right now? 
Uh, you know, competitiveness, I think, is kind of what comes to mind uh, from the guys that are out there. But my takeaway every time, and I don't know about uh, you guys when, when you listen to it, but my takeaway every time we talk to a coach right now is that this is a team that's really uh, practicing shorthanded this mm-hmm. spring. So mm-hmm. I, I would say uh, limited is probably the best way. And, and not that it's a huge concern. You, you'd obviously like them to be getting at least some amount of physical reps, uh, but they're still inputting so many mental reps that, that I don't think that they are concerned by the amount of players that are not getting physical reps just because I don't think there's any that are long-term. I mean, if you think about Eli Huggins, he'll be back. Jalen Pickle, he'll be back. Felix Enidike, he'll be back. Nate Matlack, he'll be back. Um, Daniel Green was even in a limited contact jersey when we watched practice on Tuesday. Adrian Martinez, he'll be back. Taylor Portier missed off last year. He'll be back. There's just a lot of players not practicing right now, but all of them are expected to be back in the fall. And I think they're making the most out of the mental reps that they are getting. So I would say – you know, takeaways when you talk to Joe Klanerman or when you talk to really any football coach uh, this spring, it's that, hey, we're, we're pretty banged up right now. Even the guys that aren't banged up, we're kind of uh, coasting, such as Deuce Vaughn. I don't think I saw him touch the football mm-hmm. once uh, when, I, when I saw practice on Tuesday. So I think that they're pretty banged up. The guys that are are not banged up are, are not really practicing either. So they're just maximizing the, the mental reps that are available to them and I think they're really gearing up for a big fall and um, kind of easing and almost pacing some of their high-end talent just to avoid catastrophic injury almost because they do know what they're capable of in the fall. Because you remember this time last year, you already knew that you were going to have guys missing time. Mm-hmm. Taylor, Portier, Taylor Portier was going to miss time. You already knew he was going to miss most of the year. I think it was pretty well known that Shabaston Taylor, it was going to take a lot of time and he might not be 100%. So I think they're kind of learning their lessons a little bit. Well, that and let's be perfectly honest, the grind of the season, you look at the calendar, we really are only just four months out from when these guys last played. Uh, It takes time to get them back from injury, and so many of the guys had season-ending surgeries at the tail end of the year. Yeah, it was less than three months ago, right, that they played the bowl game in Houston. I I think the bowl game was January 7th, January 8th, along those lines. So it hasn't even been three full months yet. And it, it, and you're right about that, which is surprising to me in a sense, too, because the, and I know that they have warmer weather, so they have the luxury to do this. But there's plenty of teams that have been done with spring football for about a month. And I just wonder, I'm like, man, there's really little time in between mm-hmm. there, for, uh, even more so for the clubs that decided to do that. I mean, there's whispers going on now to kind of reshape and, and, and re- I guess, litigate what spring football looks like moving forward just because of these hurdles that are taking place because we're, I think, also becoming more well aware and more educated on just the kind of damage that can be done with the the 15 practices so soon after a season finishes. So it would not surprise me to see at some point, I don't know how soon it's going to devolve into something of this sort, but it would not surprise me if at some point in the very new, near future, spring football is cut in half of what it is right now, but you add maybe that other half in summer that's almost like an OTA type setting. Mm. That's not a bad 
a bad path to take with it. I think that that's a good point. Uh, because yeah. if, with what we are asking these guys to do to their bodies through the course of the fall, it is one heck of a grind. And, and uh, yeah. none, none of us who are on the sideline have even a concept of, of what it can do to their bodies. Yeah, just a lot of off-season surgeries that take place yeah. anymore just because uh, the, the more advanced we get with knowing how to prepare our bodies to inflict enough damage, <laughs> because that's basically what we're asking them to do, inflict damage upon another human being when we're playing football, um, it, it it's, it's just more physical. The hits are a little bit more brutal. They're a little bit more punishing. And, and these are the types of things that do happen. And I will say another angle of it that – would make that move to, you know, cut spring football in half, maybe have some things in the summer. Another angle of it that makes that idea more conducive is also the amount of transfers mm -hmm. that are still coming forth because you have to think there's a, I mean, every team's probably going to add at least one per one more player from the transfer portal. That's just the day and age that we are in. And, I mean, Kansas State, I think, added four or five last year after spring football. So it would not be shocking to see that transpire once again i think they have six or seven open spots still available to use in terms of the counters that are available to them and having you know that extra time in a summer that coaches are allowed to you know almost have an organized practice so to speak that is, that would be huge for those transfers that missed spring football with their current club it would also be huge for high schoolers coming in because they would be out of school at that point and would be eligible to participate potentially yeah, yeah, and so maybe you have more true, more freshmen ready to play at that mm -hmm. point because they're not they're not just getting a fall camp, um, especially the ones that you obviously couldn't enroll early and participate in spring football. So you're getting yeah maybe more exposure for them and and an opportunity to maybe splash onto the field a little sooner, and maybe that cuts down on transfers. I don't mm -hmm. know. One of the aspects of the discussion with Joe Klanderman earlier today. Just what it's like going up against the offense now with the change in Colin Klein as offensive coordinator. Glanderman wasn't saying much, was he? No, no. He, <laughs> I kind of gave him an out, too. I asked the question. I was like, you know, don't give away any secrets. I don't expect you to. And and he obliged. He's like, oh, definitely not going to do that. I think some of the things that really caught my ear, I guess I should say, when, when listening to his answer is that he – in a roundabout way, I think he did acknowledge that it was pretty substantially different mm -hmm. at this point, that there were extra wrinkles, that they were seeing things differently, that they hadn't fully, um, I think his words were, you know, you get you can kind of catch on to the rhythm of someone or get used to someone the way they can call a game after mm -hmm. a while. And that was probably the case with Courtney Messingham just because they knew each other so well and practiced against each other so much. But it hadn't really gotten there yet with Colin Klein. And if it hadn't, that tells us it's you know quite a bit different from Messingham to Klein. So it was just, I guess, a little bit of a peek behind the curtain that there are substantive changes. And we've already heard that there was, but I think he's even acknowledging almost in a way with that answer that they, those changes have taken place. Another part of that answer that, that struck me was him saying that I, you know, the way that they're going, they're actually providing us uh, with a lot more looks that are um, more similar to what we see in the Big 12. Mm. And we know what Big 12 offenses look like for the most part. Now, I, there is some diversion coming or a little 
reversion, I, I, would sh- I should say, coming back to that, Baylor's not a very fast team um, in terms of pace, I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't really spread it all over like they used to with our Bryles. Dave Arena's really kind of buckled it down a little bit. Iowa State, I mean, their offense is probably not that dissimilar to that what Courtney Messingham rolled out there. I think they're still in a their pace of play was still 70th or worse. Baylor's is near the last as well. So, you know, I don't think those are the offenses that he was talking about, though, because I still think the if, if you had to pick out a majority of the offenses, they're still air raidish, no huddle type that you see from the Oklahoma States of the world. And for him to say, hey, we're seeing some things we see more often in the Big 12, and I appreciate that. I think that means Colin Klein's probably more similar now, or at least working towards it to this fast offense is, you know, spread offense. I think West Virginia has that. I think Texas has that. Texas Tech, TCU, uh, Oklahoma State. Um, Oklahoma will with Jeff Levy now as their offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. So I think I, I think it was almost uh, a nod of a, a yes nod that we're going to see a little bit more modernization. D.Y., hang on. I want to talk to you about basketball recruiting when we come back. Sounds good. Okay, Derek Young with K-State Online joining us on the game. We've got more with him coming up as we talk K-State basketball recruiting and some thoughts from assistant coach Doreen Dowling. We'll play his thoughts from uh, the media session with him earlier today coming up in our second hour. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. The game continues. Troy Coverdale, David G., Derek Young from K-State Online with us as we make our way through a Wednesday afternoon. As I had stated at the start of the show, busy day today. By the time that uh, we have the football press conference uh, this afternoon, also the uh, session this morning with new assistant basketball coach Jareem Dowling. And D.Y., there were some interesting things that Jareem said as he gets uh, settled into his role uh, at K-State on uh, Jerome Tang's staff. Yeah, I think uh, if we're going to dive in on the recruiting front, I think the biggest takeaway from when speaking to him in terms of just information probably gathered mm-hmm. and, and collected or um, learned would be that, and, and obviously I asked this question too, by the way, I asked him, what are the recruiting needs? And I knew full, full well that it was probably everything. They only have what three players still, still right. on the roster. So, so that was probably the real answer is everything, but I thought it was interesting that he at least pointed out some specifics and that was, um, they want some more quality guards to pair or put alongside Marquise Noel. And they wanted a big man that could really run the floor and, you know, switch um, and guard the pick and roll and to catch uh, the lobs. Basically, want just a lob guy, you know, a big guy to just hang at the rim, catch a lot and throw it down, but someone that can run the floor and, and defend the pick and roll because, you know, that's what teams are doing more and more of is putting the big in a bind on the defensive end where he has to defend a pick and roll. If he's not athletic enough, you're probably in, in pretty bad shape. And, and obviously Kansas State felt that this year because they weren't completely athletic at the five, and teams did that to them because you can put a team like Kansas State in the bind if you're putting, you are, I guess, pr- uh, pressing um, and putting in a bad spot someone like a Davion Bradford or Casey Easy Agu that are probably not athletic to, to cover both bases in, in that sort of set. One of the things that stood out to me was that there was the discussion about the fact that this isn't all going to be about the transfer portal. 
that there is a pursuit of long-term development with recruiting. So it's not all going to be put on trying to make something happen immediately with transfers. Yeah, I mean, you got 10 spots to fill. Um, I don't know that anyone necessarily felt like they were going to go all 10 in the transfer portal anyway, so not sure that he was, you know, shattering any glass on that front. It'll be interesting what the balance is, um, whether it's five or five, six, four, seven, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, it'll be interesting what that balance ultimately ends up being, how they divvy up those 10 voids that they have to fill. Um, one of them's obviously at the moment still high schooler Taj Manning as well. So mm-hmm. that has to be factored in, factored in too. Uh, yeah. And I did like the, the analogy, you know, he's like, you know, which is a little bit different than what Jerome Tang said in his introductory press conference. He kept saying it would not be long. This is not a rebuild. We're here to elevate. Um, perhaps the calculus changes a little bit when you have nine guys transfer, eight or nine guys transfer, because in, in essence, you're forced to rebuild at that point. doesn't mean you can't have instant success, but in essence, that is a rebuild or at least a reset of, of the roster. But Dream Dowling wasn't really hitting those same notes. He talked about this. They wanted to build it the right way. And this would not be something you just pop in a microwave and pull back out, like a quick fix. That, that's not necessarily what their minds are on. He talked about more baking it in the oven and making sure it was cooked right. As you look at recruiting right now, and you brought up Taj Manning, what else are you hearing recruiting-wise about this team? To be honest, not a ton. I think hmm. uh, probably what everyone else is hearing. I mean, the, the information flow is just not necessarily there yet, and I think they're still sorting things out, so to speak, as well. And and we've been in a dead period, so some of it's just been them restricted from really being as active as they probably would like to be. Um, and that dead period actually ended today, so th- they could be um, hosting visitors today. They they could you know the evaluation period starts tomorrow, and that's when you get Nike and the Adidas grassroots session. So things will start to really fire back up. And some of it could be tied to the third assistant as well. Obviously we're hearing that it could be Rodney Perry. We'll see what happens. Um, he's obviously a coach at a prep Academy in Branson, Missouri. So some of it is, you know, you know, who's going to be available, which prospects are going to listen. And I think that's all still being sorted out, but I do think we all know you could go on Twitter for 10 minutes and you can see Kansas <laughs> State's, you know, linked to, 20 transfers because there's 1500 transfers in the portal or obviously around that much. So um, it's, it's a lot of uh, a little bit of a craze, a little bit of the wild, wild west, especially when it comes to the transfer portal. Um, I think it really does sound like they're in, you know, somewhat prom, at least somewhat of a promising position for Bradley guard, Terry Roberts. I think that's a name to definitely know. I think LSU guard Brandon Murray is someone mm. to know at this point. So I think those two transfers really pop out to me in terms of high school targets. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, blind optimism that maybe you can be in play for some of the big-time guys, such as this, a Sky Clark or Julian Phillips. Both of those are like top 30, top 40 players um, with some connections to, to the staff that they have assembled. Uh, I'll have to see that to believe it a little bit more, or at least see a little bit more than I am right now. And again, we're also talking about a staff that literally is just getting its feet underneath them uh, because of the fact that it has been such the quiet period. So Indianapolis 
then this weekend? What's the uh, what's the recruiting event that's going on up there? Yeah, that's just an Adidas grassroots se- session. Um, I think they're playing it in uh, different spots there in Noblesville, Indiana, and Fishers, Indiana. So, uh, yeah, just an opportunity for us to kind of go up there and, and see some of their, their first targets. I, I, obviously, they offered a 2023 five-star that will be competing at that tournament is in Jacoby Walter, plays for the – the AU team that's sponsored or, or, you know, named after Trey Young. So I think they'll be competing. Southern Assault is another AU program that they're going to be pretty familiar with uh, moving forward. So I think it'll be just kind of familiarizing ourselves, so to speak, with some of the prime prospects that they're going to be connected with and associated with over the course of the next several months, um, especially with the 2023 targets that'll be in, tenden- in attendance and competing. It really uh, becomes a blank slate given the number of transfers now. Things are so wide open for this uh, program. Yeah, that because that we'll see how many they, they choose to pursue and land in this particular cycle. It could tell us a lot about just their plans moving forward. Mm-hmm. And But it's, it's almost like a brave new world. And, and this is not trying to compare staff to staff, but it's clear that there's a different kind of prospect or recruit that's probably going to be available on a consistent basis to this staff that we haven't seen in some time. Corporate card cover St. Elmo's? It would be nice. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it's that one probably comes out of my pocket, but uh, I don't think I don't think that I haven't thought about it though. Uh, I thought I'd at least try and see for you. All right, be safe. We'll look forward to catching up to you next week again, Derek. Appreciate it. Derek Young with K-State Online joining us here on The Game this afternoon as we make our way towards 5 o'clock. And really, uh, it's interesting his last point in regards to recruits that this program could be looking at going forward. Uh, There is a different attitude. And, And this has to do, I think, as much with where you're pulling this coach from and the familiarity with what has worked for Baylor in Jerome Tang's case and, and and even what his assistants are looking for. And the level that they are of recruiters. They're just better. You know, I, I think it's like, you know, we, we talked about, or well, not we, but um, Bruce Weber talked about being in on Drew Timmy. He worked on him personally and recruited him personally to Kansas State. Um. I don't know if you've looked at Drew Timmy's offers out of high school. He had thirty, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a who's who. It's everybody, sure, you know. And it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, he didn't come here because we're mean on social media. No, I d- I just don't think he, he you know like the recruit pitch wasn't that great. Well, and there's also the difference in and again, this will be the expectation that we have going in to next year, but it's about the style of play is going to be different. Absolutely. And that plays a role as you're selling your program as well. And I think right now that's where that blank slate works for K-State in that, you know, coach can and and the coaching staff can go in and talk about here are the things that we are going to accomplish. That's got a level of excitement that you know, that hasn't been around this program for the last few years. Right. The guy recruited all of us at the press conference. I can't True. imagine when he and his when when he and his assistants roll into your living room 
<laughs> I mean, you've got to be like, let's go now. Can I just, you know, pull a Reggie Stubblefield and just drive up to Manhattan? Like, let's go. I'm ready. Uh, I can't wait to see who he pulls in. I just, we've had such, like, it, it's been one guy was amazing, was the best basketball player in college. And then we've had some fives that just kind of dwindled. Um, thinking of Wally Judge as one, I was so excited oh to my. see him play, and then um, that guy just fell on people. It was, it was embarrassing. But yeah, I'm excited to see these high caliber guys again. It will be uh, interesting as we go forward to to watch and see how this develops. And and Dy's right. This is the stretch here where we're really going to be able to tell uh, what the what the playbook is. Yes. For this program going forward. Right. And what they want to develop on. Hour two, coming back after a check of the news headlines, we'll get the thoughts of new assistant coach Jareem Dowling from his session with the media earlier today. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. 